the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And how many of them never finally got there and the person died? How many have heard stories of, of all of that? Now, as horrible as it was for those that were healthy that couldn't get to the people, can you just for a moment feel what it's like to be all alone, no one there that genuinely cares for you? You might say, oh, the nurses do. Yeah, but sometimes they do it because they're paid. And then how good can they really do that for you when they're so busy trying to take care of everybody? It's not a minimization of their love for you. It's their inability to keep up with everything. So you're really all alone. And so that happens. Let me share a real story with you. About two months ago, one of our retired board members from Make It Clear Ministries, godly man, very prominent attorney in San Antonio, legacy family in the um, cattle baron industry in the center, central part of Texas. Um, he was His heart was failing. That's why he was retired off the board. And um, he, he was coming to a point that he knew his end might be near. So we always talked about spiritual matters with him and all that, but as he got closer to death, he knew things were happening. So we began to talk about his will being ready, his family being ready. And so the last week of his life, we began to talk specifically about, are you ready? How ready are you? His comments were very common with a humble man. And that is, I have regrets. I have regrets with my life. I should have done more for the Lord. I have regrets with my kids. I should have done more here and all of that. That's a humble man. It wasn't a man saying, I'm going to try to be good at the last minute so I can get into heaven. He already knew he was going to heaven. It was regrets with his life. So we talked him through scripture and forgiveness and understanding and perspective. But I appreciated his humility. All of our staff have that. I, I, they just, they're just humble people and God's raising them up. So now we've talked about all of that. And two days later, he called me on the phone. It was very early in the morning because he had Texas and Florida time. And he said, Stan, the doctor just came in and he told me I have days to live. That's all I have. My, my own family doesn't know this. And then he poured his heart out, not out of fear, but out of he just needed someone to talk to. Within a couple of days after that, he called me again and he says, Stan, my time is so near. So they're releasing me from the hospital and I would prefer to die in my home. And I said, I can certainly understand that. So now he gets into this house and uh, he calls me and he says, I love you, Stan. I love the ministry that you've been a part of. And you're still going to do my memorial service? I said, yes. His family then got around him. His daughter climbed into bed with him appropriately to hug her dad. Two hours after that conversation, he was in heaven. One month ago to today. January 14th. And I got thinking, probably his two greatest comfort was that he had a family to talk to and he had 
maybe a friend to talk to. That's on a human level. Let me remind you that sometimes no family can be there, no friend can be there. They'll never feel all your pain, but Jesus Christ will. Will you love him? Will you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind? All right, let's go to the third one. This one is a little harder to extrapolate from Scripture, but I think it's still within the ballpark. Number three is, I love the Lord because he is my strength. He is my strength. Let's look at this verse, if you don't mind. This is found in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 6. We're going to pick this verse apart, but not quite as in detail as I did the last passage. So we're going to look at Psalms 103, verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within him, within me. Bless his holy name. I think they ought to put a song to that. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. All right. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and for and forget not all his benefits. Now, that is so weird. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, this is what's happening here. The writer, which again, I believe is David, is doing self-talk. I know that sounds kind of weird, so stay with me for a moment. He's talking to himself. Bless the Lord, you stupid soul of mine, and forget not all of his benefits, you soul. So he's telling himself, bless the Lord. He's telling himself, don't forget all the things that the Lord has done for you. Have you ever done self-talk? I think we all have one time or another. He says, who forgives all your iniquities? Who is he speaking to? Himself, or you could say his own soul, his own nature. Who heals all your diseases? And he does. He heals every disease that you have when you die. And sometimes before, but always when you die. Okay. He says, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, things to eat, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So through this self-talk, he's saying, you go bless the Lord. Don't forget what he's done for you. Look at all the stuff he's doing for you now. And look at who he is. Loving kindness, tender mercies. And he crowns you with, with himself. He puts his crown on you of all these great things. I'll tell you, wouldn't that strengthen you? Wouldn't that strengthen you? If you were given the uh, diagnosis of that you have cancer and then someone came in later and said, oh, we read the wrong report, you don't have cancer. Can you imagine how good you'd feel? Well, in this situation, no matter what happens, you can still have strength to endure it, to go through it. I can't be strong all the time. I can't be totally self-sufficient all the time. I know I'm a man of weaknesses, but I also know that I'm a man with a great God that's inside of me so I could lift up my head and look to the Lord and say, Lord, no matter what I go through, I'm coming home. I'm coming home to you. I know that you really love me. So no matter how weak you are, when you are on your last day laying on your bed and you only have the ceiling in front of you, I want you to know that you can still Tell your soul, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within you. Bless the Lord, and I'm never going to forget the benefits you've given to me. So don't curse God now, and don't curse God at the end. Why? Because he will give you the strength to go through it all.
So how can I show my love for the Lord? Last passage and we'll be done. Psalm 116, verses 12 through 14. Have your pens ready for this one because we're going to pick this verse, this passage apart. How can I really show my love to the Lord? So let's look at the verse, Psalm 116, verses 12 through 14. It says, what shall I render the Lord? In other words, what can I do for the Lord? How can I love the Lord? What shall I do to do all of this? How do I demonstrate my love for the Lord? Then it says, for all his benefits toward me. And then it says, and I will take up the cup of salvation. What's all of his benefits toward me? Everything, but specifically Jesus Christ who died and rose again and by faith alone I can have eternal life. So what's the first thing I'm going to do? According to that passage, I will believe in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. I will believe in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. It says, I will take the cup of salvation. Now, after you write that down, I want you to look up here because this is pretty important. It's a little phrase. I'll take the cup of salvation, but th that is rich. So let's talk about salvation. All right, there is a, a salvation. It's found in a cup, which means that it's something we could take for ourselves. Okay, it's something that is almost tangible. It's not just a, a euphemism out there. It is really something. So it's a cup. You can touch it. You can see it. You can examine it. So there's a cup. Then it says you have to take it. In order to take it, there has to first be it. And after you have to be it, then it has to be available to you or given to you so that you can take it. So the cup of salvation is the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has now done all that work. So that's the cup. And remember, let this cup pass from me. We could talk about the communion cup, the whole aspect of the death and resurrection of Christ, the blood of Christ, all of that. So it's all in salvation. So he said, here it is. Salvation is found in this work that I did for you on the cross. Not that I just rose a dead man to life again. It's what I did for everybody on the cross. That's the cup of salvation. In order to take it, he has to offer it. Okay, I'm not going to snatch it or steal it. I'm going to receive it from him. Now that fits John chapter 1 verse 12 that says, to as many as received him, taken him, have the right now to become his child. And how do you take that cup? Key, key. How do you take the cup? You don't plead for it. You don't make promises. You just believe in Christ. Because the rest of verse 12 says, to as many as received him, taken the cup, they become now the child of God. Why? To those who believe in his name. Not behave, not believe and behave. Not just believe, but believe in his name. So here's a great point. How do I do this? The first thing you need to do is to trust Christ your Savior. I will take the cup. Number two, I will pray often. How can I really love the Lord? Well, how can you say you love the Lord if you only receive him by faith? How can you say you love the Lord when you say, Lord, you, your death on the cross wasn't good enough. I have to help it out with my good works. Or what good is it to say, Lord, you did a good job, and I'm going to finish it by doing my own good works to get to heaven? How can you say you love the Lord when he says, I'm giving you this cup. All you got to do is receive it, and all you have to do to receive it is to trust in me. Number two, then, would be, I will continue fulfilling, excuse me, I will pray often. He says, I will call upon the name of the Lord. Now, some people want to equip that or acquaint that with um, the cup of salvation, I'll call upon the name of the Lord, which I don't think is a bad thing to do. Calling upon the Lord is now saying, Lord, you are my Savior. You died and you rose again in my heart. I'm transferring my trust from myself to you alone. So there's that issue of connectivity with the Lord for salvation. I get that. But I also think it has more of a um, of a lifelong experience of, I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pray often. I will rely upon him for my health and strength. I will walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, I'm just in total communion with you. All right. Now let me get real practical. There are some of us that are old enough that have been Christians long enough that we remember a dear elderly man 
named John R. Rice. How many remember that name, John R. Rice, okay? He wrote a book that's often a classic, and I recommend you to get it if you still can. It's maybe still in print. It's called Prayer, and then it says, Asking and Receiving. Not a bad thing. It, pretty much it is. Prayer is what? Ask God, you get. Okay, I get that. I really believe, though, that it's more than just asking and receiving. I believe that prayer is building a relationship with the Lord through communicating with Him. So it's not just rubbing the bottle of a genie and out pops God with His bag of stuff for you. I think it's building a relationship with the God of the universe, the eternality of God. So I call upon the name of the Lord. Well, True, there are names of the Lord, Jehovah Yasha, Jehovah Tidkanu, Jehovah Jireh, but all of it is still who the Lord is, like one big diamond. And you cut that diamond up and you have nothing but facets. Still a diamond, but different facets reflect that diamond. And each facet is another name of the Lord. And so when I call upon the name of the Lord, I'm calling on who he is, Jehovah Yasha, God who saves, God who keeps, God who defends. All right, here's number three. I will fulfill my commandments. How do I show my love for the Lord? I'll trust him. I'll communicate often with him. I will fulfill my commandments. Look at the rest of the verse. It says, I will pay my vows to the Lord. And I'm going to stop there for a moment. I will fulfill my commitments to the Lord. Now, I want you to put a star by that one. I don't have time now because we're going to get running out of time now. But if we were to have a Sunday school class after that, I would ask the question, and I would like you to answer it from Scripture and then from your life. What commitments, as a believer in Jesus Christ alone, am I to make? What commitments, as a believer in Christ, am I to make? That's a good question, isn't it? I think the first one is, is to surrender our life totally to Him as the Lord. I don't make Him the Lord of my life because I don't have power to do that before I'm saved, but after I'm saved, I need to recognize He's already the Lord. I just need to let Him be the Lord of my life. So that would be my commitment, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You can write that down if you want. If you get that right, then the others will start coming more. So, so go through what are all your commitments that you have to the Lord. I, I won't tell you what they are. You all work on that. But I don't think I have to ask the question, should a Christian make a commitment to the Lord after they're saved? Of course they should. But what are they? And then what are the ones you're going to do? See, that's the commitment. I will fulfill my commitments. Are, are you tracking with me? How many of you said at your wedding, for those that are married, or will say when you do get married, something similar to, um, for better or for worse, sickness and hell, you know, all of that. In fact, some people say you have 16 wives. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. But anyway, I don't buy that. But when you said your your commitments to your wife, okay, or to your husband, you made those commitments. How would you like to have a mate who makes a commitment at the altar until death do we part, and that mate bails on you? Now there is enough people listening to me. You've experienced that. You know the pain. How that hurts you, especially if they left you also with children. And that could be even a woman who runs off and leaves the dad raise the kids. I've heard of that. I said all that to say, how often do we do that when we say, Lord, we're committed to you, and then we run off after all the things of the world, all the stuff that's going on. And what this guy is saying right here, and I love it, this guy says, I will fulfill my commitments. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Um, Carol and I have been married, we'll be married 
52 years, got to get the math right here, this June. I often say we've been married happily 47 years, but been married 52. The first few years are a little bumpy. Carol wants me to say that, so you don't think it's right now. But I would like to say that when we made our vows back then, we didn't make it for the honeymoon. Because it's pretty easy to do all the lovey-dovey and the special little dinners and all that. We make it now when we go to every single doctor's appointment with each other. When we take each other and we meet their needs now. We made those commitments for this time in our life. Not for all the romance and the stuff you do at night. We made it for now. And so for the Lord, we don't make those commitments at camp as a teenager only. We made those commitments and we keep them all the way through until the very end. Now, the good news is we know more about the Lord, so it gives us greater motivation as we get older. We realize how much power and strength we have to be able to do that when we get older, but our commitment is still to the Lord. So here's what I'm going to suggest to those of you. Number one, have you trusted Christ as Savior? Yes or no? Don't raise your hand. If you haven't, then you need to trust Christ as Savior because the alternative is horrible. Eternity separated from God. Number two, after you trusted Christ as Savior, have you surrendered to His Lordship completely? You've given him yourself, like they said in the old days, lock, stock, and barrel. Have you really done that to the Lord? If you haven't done that, watch this now. This is cool. If you haven't done it, do it now. If you have done it, then it makes every decision you make in your life afterwards a lot easier because you made that commitment that he's the Lord of my life as a believer. Here's the last one. It says here, I will pay my vows to the Lord. Where and when? Now. Where? In the presence of all his people. So what does that tell me? Wherever I go, I'm going to live a separated life unto the Lord. Why do I do that? Because I really love him all in my heart, soul, and mind. Do you catch how this message really can't answer the question? How's your love life? With the Lord. And who is the love of your life? Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. In this church, I know you've heard that Jesus Christ is God. I know in this church you heard that Jesus Christ died and he rose again. I know in this church you heard that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. So I know you've heard this, but I'd like to just bring it back to you one more time. Have you now placed your entire eternal destiny, today and eternity, in the hands of Jesus Christ, and said, Lord, I know I'm going to heaven because you, a God who cannot lie, said that if I would believe in you, I will not perish, but have everlasting life. A God who will not lie that says that I can know that I have eternal life because I believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So have you placed your faith alone in Christ? I pray you have. Are you one in this church who has... Realize that prayer is not asking and receiving only. It is truly communing with the Lord. I would hope that just perhaps like your mate, that you say, I love you. I pray you say it to them meaningfully and frequently. And not spend just your time. Would you go get my keys? Would you hold the door for me? On your way home, would you... Pick up some milk and bread or something. So it's always asking, asking. But that you build that relationship on saying, even if you didn't do that, I love you because you've already done it all. Can you say that to the Lord? If you never gave me anything else, Lord, it's okay. 
because I already got all I need because you gave it to me when I didn't deserve it. And if that's the case, are you going to live a life that would let people know that? Now, you can wear a T-shirt that says, I love Jesus, just like you can wear a wedding ring to say, I love my mate. But it's not just the tinsel and stuff you put on the outside. But are you going to stay committed when you're tested not to? And then in the relationship with the Lord, when Satan does such a great job of stimulating the world system to come at you so that he then can take over your inner life, can you still say, get thee behind me, Satan. You're the love of my life, Lord, and I love you. And I want the world to know it. And so I'm going to fulfill my vows no matter how strong Satan may think that he is. Because I love you because you love me first. And then can you say to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to do those vows, not secretly when I'm alone. I, I will. You know, I, I won't look at pornography on the computer. I'll, I'll take care of that there. But I'm also not going to just do it in church where everybody kind of assumes I'm a good person. I went to church. Are we going to do this in the wild, wicked world to let people know that you're a Jesus follower? No matter the cost. What will give you the strength? Your love for the Lord. When you're doing this in such a great way, is it because you know that he hears your heartfelt prayers and you really love him because he first loved you? So I'm going to ask uh, two different prayer uh, requests that you might have for me. One is, would you like for me to pray for you? Number one, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior here this morning, you said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong, but I believe you died and rose again, and you offered me the cup of salvation, and now I'm going to receive salvation by trusting in Christ as my Savior. I'm not coming with works to get this thing. My hands are completely empty. I have nothing to rely upon other than you and your promise. Stan, I'm trusting Christ. Would you pray for me? Today's the day that I'm doing that. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Okay, you that are listening, if that's you, I'd like to know that. If you feel comfortable, let me know and I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. Now, me praying won't get you into heaven. You're already going to heaven because you trusted Christ. But I'd like to be a part of your little new family in Christ. Now, the second is simply this. Would you like to have prayer because today is a day the Lord's going to use to strengthen your love life with him? That today is the day that is the day that you can say before the Lord that he is the love of your life. And that by what you've heard, you're going to let the spirit of God take the word of God here to transform you, the child of God, all for the glory of God. If that's the case, are you humble like my friend Ben and say, pray for me, Stan. I want to go to the next level of my love life with Jesus Christ. Would you slip up your hand? Thank you. God bless you. Now, Father in heaven, I thank you for today and for the opportunity that you've given to me to open up your precious word to speak to dear friends and family. I thank you for those who I don't even see or know, but they're listening through all of our media. And Father, I thank you that your power pervades all of this so that you can take a life that's hurting and let them know that you love them 
And that, Father, in return, we return by saying we love you. I pray for those that are trusting you as Savior by faith alone, that they would get a Bible and read it, which is nothing more than a love letter, like a Hallmark card on steroids that's written by you to them. I pray that they talk to you in prayer, not the little now I lay me down to sleep speeches, but a real child to a dad, a romantic, loving letter like a mate to a mate that we would really express to you how much we love you because you hear our prayers. You hear our supplications. You incline your ear to us. I pray that we would meet together with other believers that love you so that it's a time of encouragement to remind us that we get together not because of each other. We get together because you're our Father and we're celebrating you together in love. And then lastly, Lord, give us the strength to fulfill the vows that we have made when we trusted you as Savior, now that we want to live for you, and that other people would come to faith alone in you and to go on to become a fully obedient worshiper of you. Father, we magnify you now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I love you. And if you have any questions, and if I could help you any further, you can write me, tell me more at makeitclear.org, or you can um, call me. All the contact information uh, is available. I put it on the outline. If you did not get that, don't worry about it. If you want the outline, you can just write me, and I'll send that to you. I love you, and happy Valentine's Day. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.